Hello and welcome to Saladcast. Glint, nice to have you back. Well, you know, it's nice to be back, Ollie. I, nice to see I haven't been completely replaced. Uh, but um, yeah, not the not the best week to come back to with uh, a couple of results that well, kind of one didn't go away, one was a, was a bit close, and uh, some other news this week, Ollie. But it's it's an interesting time, isn't it, as a Shrewsbury Town fan? Some of our early fears, mate, um, you know, that we worried about in pre-season maybe starting to come to fruition and um, it's just, you're trying to keep a lid on it at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, the last pod um, you were on, obviously, we were all excited about going back to stadiums, back for the season to start and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's fair to say we've kind of had a bit of a rude awakening. Not rude awakening, it's probably not the rest phrase, but we've had a bit of awakening. And yeah, I, I do love that Narcos photo of um, Pablo Escobar looking really sad on a bench, but that's how I felt this morning <laughs> when I knew I had to review the Morecambe game. Oh, goodness. Um, because, let's say, it wasn't the best um, performance from a Shrews Town perspective. And at the moment, it's quite hard to get too excited about the games this week. Um, but we'll, we'll, we've got a lot to cover on this spot, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair way to say it. Is, is like it's disappointment, isn't it? Rather than kind of pure anger at the moment, I think, in that yeah. we were looking forward to, to so much from the season, building Cottrell up, and some of the summer signings were looking good. And then you kind of got to a, a sort of three, four week period before, before the season started, and signings dried up. We had this weird pre season, and, that, and that's what's led into it. And it's quite funny because obviously the, the Premier League started um, this weekend, didn't it? And I saw that Man United fans had Ole out tweet, uh, trending after his team selection, and they obviously went on to win 5 1. And then obviously Arsenal fans are all claiming for Arteta to go, and you know, it, let's be honest, Shrewsbury Town fans are never going to be that at the first games, first few games of the season, even though you know obviously a week in already. But you know, I think I've seen legitimate concerns um, about our preparation for the season from online over the over the last two weeks. But in fairness, I've seen it having stood on the terrace at Morecambe, and, and I'll go through some of the people I talked to and how interesting their comments were really. But yeah, I think it's a case of you know we've got a bit of time to to fix this. But legitimate concerns, I think, from from all all that I've I've kind of been seeing recently. Yep, no, that's fair. Um, so um, we start Tuesday night. It was nice to get back um, to Shrewsbury on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's start with the Lincoln game. Graham Turner watching got in front of him. Over day. Lovely ball in. Could be an own goal. It's uh, still there. Still alive for Harold. Harold pulls it back. Right So first game this week, as I say, back under the lights at the Meadow, um, which was uh, something I was actually really looking forward to, Ollie. Um, I know you were too, because you were there as well. Um, but yes, obviously it went on to be a uh, reasonably exciting game at the end. Um, Shrewsbury down, went 2-0 down to Hopper and Bishop on 49-52. Terrible start to the second half, um, but then fought back after some substitutions and two quick goals in 10 minutes from a doe on 69-72. and um, and yeah, then we went on to penalties, Ollie, and, and we shall talk about what fun that was because we haven't seen a penalty shootout for quite a while. But um, just on some stats, really, we're, we're getting back into the season now, so stats are coming up, Ollie. But it's been, as I just mentioned there, a while since we saw a penalty shootout at the Meadow um, that wasn't in the Papa John's Trophy because some of those penalties just were at draws to decide who would win a group game, which I never really got my head around. But yeah, the last one um, that we had at the Meadow um, was 2008 um, when we lost to Brighton in the League Cup um, when Grant Holt missed the penalty. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and yeah, going back to being under the lights it was something I was looking forward to but not sure too many other people were because it was the lowest attendance Ollie um, for 22 years since we played Scunthorpe at home in the League Cup so lowest attendance in a League Cup game at home um, yeah obviously on, on Tuesday we only had 2,069 so only just broke 2,000 um, that Scunthorpe game in, in uh, I think it was 1992 only had 1,939 so again a little bit of an alarming trend of downward League Cup home attendances in the early rounds um, and it was the 7th worst in our history Ollie so um, we've 
have 74 league games at home and, and seventh worst. Not very good. Um, and in the positive, Ollie, let's round it up with a positive stat. First time Danny Ado has scored two goals in a game professionally in his career, and obviously the first time he's done it for us as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Of the stats, what, what stands out to you really before we get into the team? Yeah, the attendance I don't think is too surprising. Mm. Playing against Lincoln, who are one of the favourites in the division, and as we saw, are a really good side. I guess people with lack of signings and stuff, people probably expected a defeat. I certainly did. Um, but yeah, we'll come on to the game in a moment. Um, so I think that's probably part of the reason as well. Is yeah, We always talk about all the reasons, but yeah, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, who started in this game? So Maurice started in goal again. Um, I think Pennington um, is probably going to play in that position virtually every game this season. And <laughs> um, with Pierre in the centre, obviously there's questions about Pierre's fitness. And then Nurse, who's who's played really well, actually, to be fair, another less centre-back. And then in midfield, we've had um, like playing wing back, we've got Bennett, and then Leahy on the other side, Davison or better, Vella in the 10. Um, and then, yeah, we had potentially a bit of a, a surprise start with Pike and Bowman starting up front. We found out um, later on that Ebanks Landau has tested positive to COVID, so he's isolating. And obviously, Pike starting was a bit of a surprise. But before you say anything, I thought Pike did okay in this game, you know. Um, from a from a probably low expectation, but he did all right, um, and he you know worked hard, and um, he looks a lot fitter than he has done in the past. Uh, yeah, best he's workman like, isn't he? Let's be brutally honest about it. I've not seen anything in the two games he's now started to make me think he's any kind of player that should be starting. And I would probably go back to what I said at the end of last season in, in our review in, in that if uh, Ricky or Pike is starting or is involved in any of our first few games next season, um, we've not had a good summer. And I would say at the moment that maybe is bearing out a little bit in terms of the recruitment because um, there's no way we would have wanted Pike to be um, to be playing any of these games. We should have been hoping that our recruitment would have got us better players. But, you know, he comes on, he wins a few headers. He's offside a lot. He gives a lot of fouls away. I'm not overly convinced, as I say, Ollie. But um, probably a bit too early to go in massively hard on him, considering this was his first start of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think if Wally hadn't cut his hand, um, he, he wouldn't have played. started this yeah. game, uh, and uh, yeah, and Pike would have been on the bench. So yeah, we've got seven strikers. Um, so I think it's probably fair to say that um, probably one of them, someone is going to probably depart before the window closes. Mm either to get first team football either on loan or maybe a permanent deal so that's something to keep an eye on um, but in terms of the game um, I thought actually we started quite well and the first half overall I say was probably quite a, an even affair um, I'll tell you who did stand out though um, we'll, we'll talk about Lincoln at the end and we'll talk about them a little bit now um, their central defender um, I think it's pronounced Montsma um, who plays who was the number four um, if we had a player like him in defence, he was absolutely class. Um, some of his passing was brilliant. Some of his passing was good as a, as a central midfielder. Yeah. Um, and he starts a really good attack, kind of breaks our lines. Um, a shot on goal from, from Lincoln and a good save, good save Morosi. Um, and then another save a few minutes later. Um, but you know, it wasn't that long until we had our first chance. Um, chance for Bowman and Mesa keeper. Um, and something that's a bit of a theme of this week. Um, Pierre headed wide from a corner, Glenn. Mm. Um, yes, corners is yeah. We're not we're not really putting anything on goal at the moment. Um, but what did you make from kind of the start of the game? Oh, start of the game and, and the whole of the first half. Really, I don't think there's many much point in labouring the first half. Really, no. so we'll go through the last couple of bits that happened. But yeah, a completely even game, I thought. And um, you know, Town were doing well enough. You know, stopping the Lincoln attacks. They look quite dangerous going forward. They, I thought another player that stood out for them was the sort of blonde-haired attacker they had. I'm not too sure what his name was, but he was giving the defenders a bit of a torrid time at, uh, at times. Um, down the other end, we looked quite nice in midfield. We played around a bit at times. You know, there was points where Davis stood out. I thought um, in terms of his kind of calmness at the back and, and bringing the team out. But you know, 
similar problems to last season. We weren't really creating all that much. I know there was that chance for Bowman, which was, you know, I think maybe probably one of the better chances of half, but still wasn't a, a massively good chance. The Pierre header seemed better. Um, and yeah, there was a couple of moments then later on as half went where they put a ball right across our, across our goal mouth, which was a massive chance, I thought. But yeah, it was yeah. a, it was a bit, bit of a frustrating thing, I think, for both teams that they couldn't find the, the final pass or the final goal. Um, a fairly entertaining watch. It sort of flew by. I think I tweeted at the night, you know, 10 minutes had gone past and nothing had really happened. It was one of those sort of games and, you know, you felt like you had been keying yourself up for the first game back under the lights and it didn't it didn't really deliver the first half, did it? No, I think probably the highlight for me in the first half was really nice pass from Nurse who kind of drove forward, passed the ball to Bowman. Bowman did his man and went past him, which is encouraging to see. Um, Pike was coming in to kind of get the ball mm. and then a Lincoln defender came away. For me, that was kind of the highlight of the half. Uh, for me, it was almost like, you know, like it was two points each. You know, they had two good chances. We had we had two decent chances as well. Um, we went in at the half time, quite pleased really, you know, empty stadium. Um, you know, could easily get something in the kiosk, um, and yeah, pretty decent, a pretty decent first half fair. However, um, with that kind of positive mindset, was going to disappear quite quickly because I think it's fair to say there must have been some quite harsh words in the Lincoln dressing room at half time. Appleton and and his team much improved in the second half, and that quality we saw from from Lincoln. So quite quickly, we saw them score two goals. Um, so after fifty two minutes, they were two nil up. Mm-hmm. So it was a cross from the left. Not enough, really enough pressure, but I don't know. It's probably probably a bit too harsh to put too much um, kind of criticism on the fullback. Pierre was beaten in the air and goes past the keeper. You'd probably hope that Pierre would do a bit better than that, and I think it's just fair to say that Pierre isn't quite up to full match speed yet, is he? Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting, you know, a couple of goals conceded this week from crosses into the box, one from a corner, one from this cross in this game where I feel like our defenders have been a little bit too weak or, or just not enough physicality in it, which is weird considering how big they are, but um, maybe, maybe hopefully that's not a pattern that repeats. But yeah, I mean, it, it, going from the half-time, it was it was fascinating how much better they came out and how we kind of went into our shells. And we, we did look shell-shocked, didn't we? As well as we finished this game, we were abysmal for the first sort of... I don't know, even 15, 16, 20 minutes of the first uh, second half, we were really, really poor. Um, passes astray, you know, the general play outside of their two goals was in, was really bad and we, we didn't create anything during that period of time. And, and it didn't really feel that unfair, did it, when, when Lincoln went 2-0 up? They just blitzed us for that period and, you know, they, they took advantage of being on top, scored two goals and you, you couldn't really argue with what had just happened, could you? It was quite, you know, people were getting a bit angry around me. Yeah, I don't think you could criticise or you know, um, you know, say that Lincoln didn't deserve their lead. It's, no, it was one of those kind of periods of the game where their players just seem ten percent faster. Our players seem slower. Our passes just weren't weren't very. I don't know, just weren't very accurate. It was just like a sloppy fifteen minutes, and it was a bit of a I don't know, a bit of a um, bit of a starter <laughs> um, for Saturday mm. because that's what what we kind of saw from the Shrewsbury Town after we conceded the penalty. And yeah, Lincoln, we saw the, the the positive from the Lincoln side, you know, a really good team, really good at passing and good, and Shrewsbury were just off the pace. And I felt we felt we were really soft in the middle and particularly in, in Ogbata's area. Um, and I thought they just really punished us. We need um, to talk about Ogbata, Ollie. We talked about it briefly yeah. at the stadium, and I think I mentioned it to you at half time. And I think by sort of um, the second goal going in, you and you and Chris Hudson, who were sitting behind us on at the match, were kind of a bit in agreement. I think you probably were already, but um, God, we he is absolutely and probably backed up by what we'll talk about in Morecambe. He's absolutely wasted in central midfield. And I know the kid's a talented player, and we get told that maybe his future lies playing central midfield, but. I'm not sure it's really going to be his position when we're still building the team, you know, at the moment and it's not quite fully finished and he stands out as being, I hate to say it, a little bit of a liability in midfield. And then you look at what happened when he goes back to left back a little bit in this game. He, he goes back to playing, you know, that kind of high standard quality. 
is it? I can't see it being something that Steve Cox will persist with once he's got his recruitment right. I think it's a needs must situation for our better to just drop in there and help us a little bit. But I, you know, it's going to take a lot to convince me um, that he's ready for midfield football. And I saw a really good comparison. I'll just throw this in: is that it took Ryan Woods an entire season playing right back to a reasonably good standard in League Two before he was really given that chance to move into midfield and show what kind of footballer he is. Maybe this is just coming six months too early for Ogbear. Maybe he just needed another six months at those kind of um, football basics and regular football before he makes that transition. And then maybe he would have took to it better. Because at the moment, I feel like he's a little bit like um, a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, uh, yeah, lots of interesting points there, Grim, mm. most of which I agree with. I would say that, yeah, I think your point about the, the rest of the team not kind of being ready, I think is yep. really detriment to him. Yep. I think also, I think his, his main attributes are dribbling with the ball, um, a defeat, his attacking play. You know, we never really, we didn't say he was great at defending last season. We said he was really good going forward. Um, And playing in that number six role, I just don't think he has enough determination at the moment. He doesn't have enough tenacity. And to be honest, I don't think he's nasty enough. No. To play in central midfield in League One, you know, we saw it from Morecambe. You know, sometimes you've got to be able to put your foot in. You know, Vela does it. Um, Davis isn't afraid of doing it. And also, you've got to be afraid to get hit as well. Um, and I just think maybe at the moment, I don't know, his football just seems a little bit too nice for me. Um, and I think I don't think there's enough steel in him at the moment to play in that position. And I think everything else, you know, his head clearly is in the right place. Um, for me, I would just play him um, left wing back. And I'd rather maybe see Nurse maybe play there and maybe switch. It's quite obviously, we'll come on to what teams you play against Portsmouth later. Mm. But I think maybe you know, we need to switch him. And I think you're right. I said it as go back to basics with a better on Twitter. I think he just needs to go to left wing back, tell him just to focus on his game. And I think maybe just trying to push him into central field is probably just a little bit too much for me at the moment. Mm. And yeah, you're right, Glenn. I think it's, he's been playing there out of necessity at the moment. Um, it's a shame. Uh, you know, we, we want him back to his best, don't we? And we want to see him... I personally want to see him flying down the wing and using that great crossing ability he's got because um, with him and Bennett on either side, I think we'd, we'd be in business, to be honest with you. But um, hopefully we'll recruit so we get back to that situation. Um, one other thing I would mention, really, so we're obviously 2-0 down there and we're starting to think about how players are playing and we've obviously mentioned the old better issue. Um, and, and I think that our midfield got completely overrun during that period. I think you could look at Valoran Davis as, as sort of not starting that half well. But one of the players who really went out of it, Ollie, and... I don't know what to make of it um, because we were so excited, let's be honest about it, signing Bowman, a man with a track record of scoring goals. I mean, his start has not been great at this football club and he got hauled off on this game again. What do you make to his start? Now, I think it's probably the similar thing that, you know, the team is not finished and we're trying to build it around the players that we've brought in that we've got at the moment. But I don't know, I'm, I'm, it, it looks a bit of a concerning start in terms of how he's been running and I'm not sure he's 100% fit because both times he's gone off, he's looked pretty leggy. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's leggy. I think his fitness okay. is fine. Um, yeah, I think everyone. I think that's one of the things, probably the few things you can't say about this squad mm. um, in terms of, you know, overall Bowman's. Anyone that's done the full preseason for me is fit. You took at like Leahy, or you talk about Feller or Davis. I'd have put Bowman in the same camp of that. But in terms of performance, yeah, he hasn't been great. But I would say probably the main thing though is Glenn is who's feeding him. Who's, who's, you know, I don't think he's really had any... He hasn't missed any chances. No. Like he had that one chance against Lincoln. And maybe maybe if we get that number 10, he'll improve. 
Um, so yeah, I think you know, I think it's. I don't think I'm. I'm not worried about him at the moment. But you, I think it's fair to say he hasn't started great in in those in those games. It wasn't fitness. Maybe that's the wrong terminology. We sometimes convince fitness with fitness and ability to play. I.e., does he have some niggle that we're not too sure about? Because yeah, I don't know. It, it seemed very odd that he was hauled off ahead of Pike in this game, which I found a bit bonkers to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I, I there we go. Pike did quite well though, maybe. So, but yeah, it's. I think the much to muchness um, in terms yeah, of our whole performance is really poor. Yeah. Um, at this point and I just wanted to I, I didn't on. know where this context of this game was going to go and um, and obviously you know we were quite saying how poor we were and I kind of thought that we might need to come to this podcast and discuss you know why Lincoln were so much better than us and I think this has become something that's probably a bit of a theme at the moment we are at the start of a rebuild aren't we mm. we we've got rid of a lot of players we're trying to sign players obviously we've got a really small squad at the moment where we're playing against Lincoln, who were obviously, you know, quite far on in their development. However, that argument goes out the window when Morecambe signed 17 players this summer. <laughs> so yeah. um, so that kind of narrative gone. But yeah, I don't think losing to Lincoln would have been a disgrace. Um, losing um, so badly to Morecambe away is, is not very good. Um, but yeah, but the, fortunately, Glenn, this game did get better, didn't it? Yeah, so I think one thing we should note really for me was that Morosi kept us in the game, didn't he? At two nil, he made an absolutely yeah. fantastic save. That without it, three nil, game over. We're not we're not getting back in that, no matter how many subs and magic, uh, you know, substitutions that Steve Cottrell wants to make. Um, absolutely brilliant sub. Um, and then from there, yeah, it was the subs that came on and really did the business. And someone we've we've been hoping would continue to keep his preseason form going was Danny Ado. Um, and in his second game, he, he pops up with two goals in ten minutes. And um, I'll have to say, you know, I've been harsh on the lad. There was a hell of a lot of like, hell of a lot to like in how he came on, and he changed the way we were playing. And his forward running strength looks a bit better, and obviously his finishing ability in this game looked a lot better than it has been over previous seasons. A lot to like about Ado when he came on, wasn't there, really? Yeah, brilliant. We changed. We made a few changes, didn't we? We put yep. Bennett in the middle of the park, brought on Josh Daniels at right wing back, moved Doug Better um, to left wing back, and we just looked a little, a little bit more settled. Mm. And yeah, Bennett just had that steel in midfield, didn't he? he made a few tough tackles. Yeah. We looked a lot more solid in that area. Um, and then, yeah, it was a, a really good turn from Bennett in the middle of the park. It was like a bit of a Cruyff turn. Um, a better cross, scramble in the box from Lincoln. Um, and then Ado comes in and kind of gets the the kind of the loose ball in the middle of the box. And yeah, 2-1. And the game just completely swung in our favour. And yeah, after that, it looked like we were the only team that was going to win. Um, and this second goal from Ado, I just absolutely love. Um, and you love um, good strike play, Glenn. So yeah. I'm interested to see what your thoughts on this. So we take a throw in. Um, Daniels plays it to to Pennington, to a doe. And then a doe just gets the ball. He controls it. He holds off his man. He turns. He runs forward a little bit across the box and strike into the back of the net. And wow, that's, for me, definitely the best 10 minutes we've seen from a doe. And that's just what we want to see. You know, he scored a scrappy goal, a poacher's goal, which is fantastic. And yeah, his turn and pace and, and his he was very smart goal. It was, had lots of elements of that goal, which I'm sure you loved. Yeah, it was a fantastic striker's finish. And the thing I liked about it the most was that he learned a lot from scoring exactly the same goal against Exeter in pre-season, didn't he? Because he scored one of his goals in that game was exactly the same thing. Drove him from the side, had a look at the keeper and just placed it into the area. The keeper didn't look like he was going to be able to dive in from outside the area. Very, very similar strike. And yeah, it, it was interesting. Just go back to, to kind of how the game changed because we the goal came out of nothing, really. We were being dominated. We didn't know what to do. We made a few subs and suddenly, you know, we broke and, and got that goal after Bennett after after Bennett burst us forward and Ado did well in the breakup. But yeah, 
yeah, nice team score, a, a, a close range finish, which was some of the things we lamented in missing too much of uh, last season and the season before. And then nice team score, a really good finishers goal as well in terms of what sort of thing we should be expecting from strikers. Wasn't overly impressive at Morecambe, so it is still swings around about for him. But, um, you know, he's definitely got a platform to build on with two goals now. Um, Cosgrove, obviously, will come to later on. It kind of changes the dynamic of who's going to play up front. But um, for me, he's going to be there or thereabouts playing more games than, say, Pike or Bowman this season, uh, than Bloxham this season. So chance to add to those goals. But, um, yeah, I think he's starting to, to show a little bit more. Um, we just need to see it a bit more consistent, don't we, if he's going to play more and more games. Yeah, I think well, hopefully we'll see that from 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 Mado. Um, he's hopefully. certainly shown the kind of the the reason why the manager and, and Wilbraham see something in him. And that's the kind of you know, Chris Hudson's someone we talked to has been on this pod a lot. Has always mm. been really positive about him. Um, you know, we will talk about performances and, and results on the pitch. And yeah, he's showing some of that faith in the manager. The manager's given him, so that's fantastic. Just to inject, Ollie, it is, it is interesting. Like, I, you know, it's very much at the start of this podcast saying, I don't want to throw the baby out of the basketball or both and go mental about how bad this start is. But there's also a, still a bit of me niggling that, yes, I want to give Ado all the praise in the world, but it's only one game where he's produced in. I think, like, yeah. in the same way you can't judge the team and how well it's going to go for 10 games, like we normally say, I don't really think you can say Ado is a new Ado just yet. You know, he can have the occasional game where he comes quite streaky like that, but it's about consistency, isn't it? And I think maybe that's a fair thing to say about all players at the moment. We, we can't write anyone off who's had three. Games, Glyn, Glyn, so. Glyn. Ado's the only thing I can get excited about when you're <laughs> taking it away from me. You've got to calm down, Ollie. You know, anything can happen yet. He, he could score 40 goals. He could not play another game after we saw, signed a striker this week. Who, who knows? But yeah, I think it's if you're going to be, uh, you know, trying to rein the negativity in a bit, you've got to be trying to rein in the positivity too. So I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay even, Ollie. I'm just trying to just trying to set that out for you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. Yeah, it's fair. We, we need to see him over a consistent period. Sure. And yeah, I'm sure that's part of his aim as well, is to be a consistent starter and consistently score goals. So yep. there's something to look forward to, but it does add some extra to our attack, so that's great to see. Um, there was a contentious moment, as I was going to say. Yeah, so basically it was a corner, Pennington shoots, and yeah, watching it back, it's really hard to tell because obviously the angle is literally the worst angle you could probably have for this. But the goalkeeper's like in his own net, isn't he? When he, when he when he touches him, I think he touches his knees or his hands, but he's certainly way behind the line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it, it almost looks like the ball kind of ripples the top of the net, but I think it's maybe just how it gets pulled as the keeper's falling backwards, or maybe it's the, yeah, it's the keeper's him. foot. Yeah, the back so touches the net. The whole net ripples, and and I think the town players are pretty convinced. And I think I saw in the interviews afterwards saying, yeah, they you know they definitely thought it was in. There were some people um, I know that were doing the ball boy or, or sort of stuff behind the goal, and they were sort of tweeting they thought it was in. Lewis Cox thought it was in, so I, th- I think there's probably a fair shout that it was over the line, but um, you know, did didn't feel like it was going to cost us because it was one of those games where we finished really strong and we talk about the fitness I think that kind of maybe proved itself in this game didn't it because they got leggier and leggier they made more subs to try and keep things fresh but I don't think that really worked for them and um, even after we had that goal disallowed I think we still pushed a little bit more than they did towards the end and it felt like if anyone was going to nick another goal it was still going to be be, uh, be us but if, if they had scored on the counter attack and we'd lost I'd have been absolutely fuming Ollie. or even lost on penalties you would have felt robbed wouldn't you but it worked out right in the end so it didn't, didn't really feel like it was a big moment in the end but it could well have been couldn't it yeah Lincoln had lost a few players had a few players of injury um, for them, they've got big fish to fry this year. I think they're they you know they're going to be hoping to to be at the top of the table, fighting for at least playoffs. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure sure they'll be fine. Um, so yeah, penalties strict penalties. Yeah. So in terms of yeah, took some decent penalties, didn't we, Glenn? Um, there was yeah a couple of nice penalties. Also, we had a few penalty takers that you'd expect to be taking them off the pitch. Um, so, but unfortunately, Vela missed didn't he? 
I did find it funny how, um, you know, and we'll come to Ollie Norman because we sold him the day before this game, didn't we? And we're going to discuss that in a moment. But um, we sold our main penalty taker. We'd taken off Bennett, who was a really good penalty taker. And I think we'd taken off, oh, I can't remember who else we took off. It was someone else that was, you know, oh, Leahy, because he took all the penalties for Bristol Rovers, didn't we? So it was like, we've come to penalties and we're missing probably the first three we'd, we'd asked to take a penalty. I think it, I think it was Bennett, I can't quite remember. But it, yeah, it was quite good to see everybody stepping up to take one. Everyone that scored, you know, good penalties, I thought. Um, but the funny thing was, I was sort of talking to the lads around me and Vela steps up to take his penalty. And I'm like, oh, he, you know, Velo, he's a good pro, and he, you know, he's been our player of the season. He strikes me as a sort of man that will be really good at penalties. And then <laughs> what happened, Ollie? He was the one to miss, wasn't he? Um, but in the end, Lincoln, Lincoln uh, messed up, didn't they? They blazed one over the bar. And, uh, it wasn't Rogers the worst stop. penalty, though, was it? No. There was a penalty from Lincoln that was a threat to their fans behind the goal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the one that got us back in it then after Vela missed was the, the Luke yeah. Rogers-esque into the, into the back of the stand one, wasn't it? And then from that, we obviously were looking to see who would step up to take the penalty. And yeah, who emerged from the crowd, which was pretty surprising. Yeah, so um, Tom Bloxham said, I'll take one gaffer. Fair play. Um, stood up, 17 years old. Um, opportunity to win the game for Shrewsbury. He scored and yeah, runs to... Um, the um, socially distant stand, and yes, yeah, <laughs> celebrates on his knees. A fantastic moment for him. Um, a, a, the manager talked about it after the game. Obviously, it would have been really gutting for him, and it would potentially have put his confidence back a bit if he'd missed. But it's obviously a great um, kind of stepping stone in, in his in his own young career. A fantastic opportunity to score, and yeah, we'll give him confidence going forward. I think he did it right when he came on in the, in the later in the game as well. I've got to say to say about Bloxham. I can't be more praiseworthy of being able to take that penalty at his age. He's never scored a professional goal in football. You know, he's not scored at that stadium in any of the games he's played. He's played like almost ten games, hasn't he? And to be the one that steps up to take it when there were some experienced pros still there who could have been the ones. You know, where, where was some of the defenders that have been there all that time? Um, and and you know they could have stepped up and take one. But I I couldn't have spoken more highly of him. It was a really really good penalty. Um, and I'm desperate for him to get his first goal for the club now. You know, I think, think it's on the horizon. And um, it was just you know let's talk about it as fans, Ollie. You know, we could talk the analysis of the game we've done that but that moment watching penalties in the stadium which we've not seen for such a long time you know a cup tie riding on it first game back under the lights at the meadow it was a magic little 10 minutes wasn't it with the penalties and all that spell and then the win and you know obviously we'll talk about what happened afterwards in terms of the pitch invasion which wasn't so good but just as a fan in that stand it felt bloody fantastic didn't it I was really into it yeah it was brilliant absolutely <laughs> fantastic it was a really nice evening um, yeah, you know, it was a, in some ways it was quite nice as well. It was for me. It was one of those kind of home games, especially with the result. It's almost like you know, it's one of those games. Where if I'm sure if you're at home following the game, you'd be like, oh man, I wish I'd gone to that game. And it definitely felt like it was, you know, you definitely got rewarded for your faith in going to the game. And yeah, it was a really nice feeling walking out the meadow on a summer's evening, um, beating you know a decent league one side on penalties. It was absolutely fantastic, and and it wasn't just the result, was it? It was the journey. It was like yeah. you know, first half wasn't too bad, which we were pleased about. Then we kind of had the, the kind of the oh my god, we've just done what we thought we might do. <laughs> Lincoln just tore us apart. We looked terrible. Then we had the substitutions, the tactical masterclass from the manager. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is why we want a proper manager. We don't have Askey or Ricketts anymore. We've got proper manager. Tactical changes, boom, boom, two goals. Had the almost the drama of us having a goal disallowed against us. Yeah. Then went to penalties and a young youth product scored. So it was a bit, it was a bit you know, if you even wrote it as a script, um, it would, you know, it's a great story. It's why I love cup competitions, Ollie. Not not the B team trophy, obviously, but um, you know the FA Cup and the League Cup. I don't get why the League Cup gets quite as bad of an attendance as it does now. I suppose that I think some people are saying, you know, we mentioned this at the start, but but some people say, oh, well, closing two of the stands doesn't make it feel like it's a, a particularly good game. Obviously, only the South Stand was closed this time, but Rotherham two years ago when we could last go, both stands were closed, weren't they? South and West, and you know, does that make fans think, well, this isn't a proper game? Because 
a cup game can be ex totally exciting. It gives you something different to those 46 league games, which are all kind of similar in some respects. Um, and yeah, and it was, and you're right, it rewarded the fans that went that night, and um, it, it was a real good, good, good occasion. Um, and I'll come back to penalties and who missed them in a minute. But obviously, what what kind of happened was there was that big sort of upwell, and then suddenly a load of people ran on the pitch, um, and most of them were young Ollie. And to some respects, I can maybe understand the young ones running on because the last time we had a penalty shootout in something wasn't the B team trophy. It was, as I say, 2008. A lot of them would have been in nappies then, I think, still. So maybe I could excuse that. But some of the old blokes around the pitch need to have a bit of a word with themselves, don't they, Ollie? Because you're running on to celebrate a win against Lincoln in the first round of the League Cup in, in, in August. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's for me, Ollie. And obviously, could have got fined. We've avoided that, which is great, Um, I think, from, from what I read today. Well, but, so um, far, we have. Yeah, so far. But um, yeah, obviously, the COVID protocol issues and all that sort of thing wasn't great, was it? And um, yeah, club have come out pretty strong on it in terms of bans, haven't they? Yeah, and so I'm sure they should. It's getting out, mm. and we, like it was embarrassing. You see Lincoln fans um, posting on Twitter as quite rightly they should, saying we must be massive because you have <laughs> just done a pitch invasion. Oh God! If you went on the pitch, unless you're under twelve, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, like let's be honest, um, it's embarrassing. It kind of ruins the moment for the majority of the fans in the pitch. Uh, on oh, sorry, in the stand, there's no excuse for going on the pitch. The only time we should go on the pitch is if we've. I don't know, maybe got to Wembley. I think that's probably the only time, you know, to get into playoff final or something like Promotion. that. Or yeah. we've won the league. They're the only two occasions you go on the pitch. Um, because And yeah, and, and when people go on the pitch on the last day of the season when we haven't done anything either, that's just rubbish as well. So yeah, I'm not a fan. And it's happening too often. The club haven't done anything about people going on the pitch. Yes. For me, you should be like, well, I'd rather just find them loads of money and then put that money towards something better. You know, I don't know, give it to the community or something. But yeah, it's just pathetic. And if you're an adult going on the pitch, you must be a bit of a moron. I think that you're completely right about how weak the club have been on it at times. You know, there's been those spill outs. I think Wolves, remember in the FA Cup game, there was a big spill out onto the pitch there and mm -hmm. nothing ever really gets done about it. And there was almost serious disorder that day. And I you know, I didn't hear a, you know. But, but then people think they can get away with it because yeah, they do. exactly. But this wasn't a disorder one. This was just a kind of, yeah, young lads who were completely hyped up from seeing something exciting like penalties. But um, yeah, encourage others to go on. And then from there, it kind of becomes something different. And I, and I think they do need to maybe think about, you know, um, being being hard on them just to try and nail it down because um, it, just going on a slight tangent it's quite interesting I often mention my boss the Oldham fan but they had a pitch invasion as well for winning I think they played like Accrington yeah, or something like that yeah they over the football league yeah. <laughs> I know it was really a weird and I think happened. I think there is that argument that there was a little bit of a build up of pressure from not being at the football and maybe that kind of overspilled into it so there's there's that slight redeeming factor I think but if it was the sort of thing that kept happening say we beat Rochdale in the second round it happens I think we, we really would embarrass ourselves but there's one ourselves. thing we haven't mentioned so far I've been. <laughs> yeah one thing we haven't mentioned, COVID. Oh, well, exactly, yeah. And we've got an outbreak again, by the sounds of it, from from Evang Standell, isn't there? So, yeah, not so, great, yeah, is so, it? So, so, some, so one moron, not only is at the game, is, um, yeah, doesn't realise he has symptoms, runs up and grabs the player and then they're out. So, yeah, yeah it's just stupid on multiple occasions. So, yeah, fingers crossed we won't see that again. We could do with less players being out at the moment, couldn't we, Ollie? So that would be not ideal. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and then also, obviously, when they came off, and it was good, I think they got roundly booed as they were coming off by a load of fans. It was quite angry down the front. I thought someone was yeah. going to wallop one of them as they got over the bench, um, over the over the sideboards again. But, um, yeah, then Steve Cottrell brought his The Thing the thing back, Ollie, which um, you've put in here, The Clap. I've seen a few, few different descriptions of it, I think, in the agenda, but I keep calling it The Thing. But, yeah, obviously, when they come up and do like they did in pre-season and clap the fans... Um, yeah, I think maybe again it was fair enough on this occasion because it was a cup win on penalties and it was quite exciting and I, I don't know maybe but I I'm not I'm not overly keen on <laughs> continuing unless obviously it's only going to happen when we win but um I think a few people think that's quite tin pot as well Ollie. 
Yeah, I'm not really a fan of that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, um, like I think, yeah, come over and just clap the fans is fine. But, mm. yeah, getting everyone to kind of line up in a line, it just seems a little bit... I don't know. It seems special um, that got Telford away. Yeah. Um, because it was... Steve Cottrell's back and it was obviously hardcore fans and it was a funny evening. It was a nice evening. And, yeah, we were thanking Steve Cottrell and, yeah, it was great to see him. Mm. But, um, yeah, for, to do it all the time, I think it might grate a little bit. Um, however, you know, it might be a while to we see this in the league anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they could have done it at Morecambe, but I was gone by the time that that would have been happening, so that was fine. Um, and, yeah, there's only one thing I was really going to uh, kind of comment on, really, about the League Cup, because I'm not sure too many people are aware of this before we move on to top threes, but we got zero prize money for winning in the first round of the League Cup this year. It used to be five grand um, the last few years, which is not brilliant either, is it? But probably helps cover at least the lighting costs. But do you not think it's bonkers to have any competition that a full-time professional football club like Shrewsbury Town are in and there'd be no prize money for for any of the lower league clubs the prize money is only from the semi-final onwards so basically only the top teams are getting any prize money at the league cup that's it seems bonkers to me that Ollie and I didn't I'm really aware of how bad that it was it seems until. bonkers but it doesn't it's not a surprise is it no not a surprise but it just seems like a, you know it is a bit of a waste of time isn't it the only way you can make money out of the league cup basically if anyone that's aware now is you get through to another round where the big teams come in and you draw Newcastle away or Newcastle at home and you know, the, the prize money is split 50-50 sorry the ticket money is split 50-50 so you get a bit more out of it and the, the FA don't take their cut like the FA Cup um, or, or you get a TV game but even then that's only worth you know I think it's like 30-40 grand so in early rounds you're a bit of a slog for a small club like us and you've got to get pretty advanced to be making any money out of the league cup now which wasn't quite the case a few years ago when there was a little bit more in the early rounds but yeah I think, I think it's just a bit of a shame Really, it's only going to so devalue on. the competition. Yeah, it's exactly. only going to devalue competition because you're going to be, I don't know, if you're, I don't know, yeah, even Shrewsbury or you're any team, you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to get any prize money for this. Talk to the CEO, go, mm. yeah, play, 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 play the reserves, and we'll get out of it. And because she is, you know, we've started this season pretty intense. Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Sorry, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite intense. But anyway, let's close close over this game. Yeah. I've got another one to go. Um, who do mm. you go for your for your top three? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ado, a cameo at the end, but a great cameo. One that stood out in this game for me. You know, it's quite rare for a sub to get man of the match, isn't it, I suppose, unless they've been exceptional, and he was exceptional when he came on. So, yeah, my man of match, Ado. Um, I went for Bennett second. I think his move into midfield was the catalyst to kind of getting us back in the game as well. But he was also really solid at right back the whole game, and I think he's a he's just a class player. I've ended up giving him quite a lot of, you know, top threes at the moment. And um, for me, I gave it to Bloxham just for that moment. I said I couldn't speak more highly of a 17-year-old being the one to step up and take the penalty. So, um, yeah, thought he did okay when he came on, and he is still impressing me when he comes on every game. Yep, no, yeah, that was definitely definitely fair. I went for the same two, mm-hmm. um, Ado and Bennett. And then I went for David Davis third. I thought he had a really good game. Okay. Um, I thought his, he looked really confident on the ball. Um, he was that kind of championship midfielder that we were, we, we were kind of hoping he would be. Um, just shows you how important it is, obviously, to get to match fitness. And, yeah, I thought he did really well. So, yeah, um, so, yeah, we all, in terms of this, in terms of post-match, um, let's not go into too much detail. We've talked enough, I think, about this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the interesting things was he was saying how that Dan, Dan O'Doe is lighter and mm-hmm. fitter. And also, he said a lot of the players from last season are lighter as well. Um, so for that, I think that's quite interesting how hard pre-season has been. And and for me also, it's a positive. You know, In the Burton game, yeah, we didn't get the result we wanted, but we kept going and we, we ended the game well. Against Lincoln, the same thing happened. You know, we ended the game well. So at least one positive we can say at the moment is the team does look a bit fitter. Um, obviously, you're not quite getting the results we want in the league, but at least that's um, something that we can we can maybe um, take on into the next few months. We can, but I, I, you know, unless we get more players, it's not going to continue, is it? You know, the less amount of players we've got, the more intense the team is. They'll be playing every week, and that fitness will drop off eventually. But you know, we can't can't say that's going to happen for definite yet because we might recruit a lot in the next few weeks. Just before we move on, however, to the next game, we should just quickly say draw came out, and obviously. 
done well to get ranked through to the second round of the League Cup for the first time in a while. And we had the mega attractive draw. I'm almost certain this one will be on Sky Ollie. Um, Rochdale at home. So um, not the most uh, heart racing draw. And their fans but... were gutted. Because <laughs> yeah. it's probably worth from a Rochdale point of view. Because Certainly. you're playing against a League One team. So you assume the League One team's going to be better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously we've been in League One for a long, long time. So you'd expect us to be better than Rochdale. And yeah, their fans are absolutely gutted, which is fair enough. Um but winnable, and but you know. One thing third... that was discussed actually, yeah. And let's maybe talk about this now. Is Ollie Norburn? So mm. Ollie Norburn was sold, wasn't he, on the this game? Yeah. Um, there was obviously there was talk in the post match against Burton that Ollie Norburn wasn't fit enough to play. Well, we know that's not true because he started for Peterborough on Saturday, <laughs> um, and you know the manager's got to give some reason, hasn't he? Can't just say the, the truth sometimes. It's, yeah. He's got to play the game. And yeah, we saw Lolly Norburn. Um, um, I broke that we'd made a profit on him. Um, mm. Quite a few people didn't wasn't quite, didn't quite, quite sure about that. But Me Lewis too. Cox put an article out, didn't he, on Tuesday night, confirming yeah. that obviously he'd spoken to Steve Cottrell and Steve Cottrell confirmed that. Interesting that Steve Cottrell did this negotiation with Peterborough, so that's interesting. So yeah, Ollie Norburn has gone, Glenn, and he had 10 months on his contract left and we've made a profit on him. Now, we don't know exactly what we brought him for, but I think it's fair to say we at least got probably 300, 350k for him, um, which is a decent fee, really, and obviously a, a probably, you would say, probably a, a high wage off the wage bill. I'm staggered if we sold him for 300 to 350k, if I'm honest with you, considering he had a year left on his contract and shows maybe that Peterborough are quite desperate to get him in, really. So I think that's paid off to us. To have made a profit on our biggest ever signing, if that is true, and from everything that everything's been reported, I, I don't, I believe that now. I didn't initially believe it. I just didn't seem reasonable, did it, Ollie? But um, yeah, I, I no, do believe it No, it didn't seem now. reasonable, to be no. honest. Yeah, it didn't seem reasonable because you're like, well, why Why would Peterborough, who are known much. for being really hard negotiators, sign a player with 10 months on? But yeah, I yeah, it's clear they really needed him mm. because he went straight into their side. So they're thinking, well, you know, we could haggle on 100k for two weeks with Shrewsbury. Let's just bloody get him. And, and to be honest, they won on Saturday, so maybe, and he played well, apparently. So, yeah, yeah maybe it's something that was worth it for them. It's, and both teams, you know, we, we, sometimes it's good as well, you know, both clubs got what they wanted. Oli Norberg got the move to the championship. He's kind of been, you know, he, you know, let's not talk about Oli Norberg on here. I think we did it on Twitter enough when we sold him. Um, but yeah, he moves on, and good luck to him. He, I thought, he, you know, he always tried hard for Shrewsbury, and it gives us the chance to kind of, you know, invest that money in the squad. A couple of fascinating things, really. As I say, I think we've had Peterborough uh, over the, the benefit of that deal. We've got probably more out of that than, than they have until he kind of produces every week, which he might do, and then they'll feel like it was good money spent. But at the moment, I'd rather have the 350k considering where we are and what we need to do as a club in terms of recruitment of a of a 10 and another couple of players. So suits us down to the ground. The other thing I would say is I found it fascinating when Ollie Norburn's been our captain for, what, three years, um, you know, been a mainstay of our team, played almost, you know, 100-odd games, more than that, I think it was, um, you know, scored a fair few goals, 11, 12 penalties, wherever it was and I, I put a rank of all the central midfielders who played for Shrewsbury Town um, sort of a list of the main Shrewsbury Town central midfielders since we moved to the new meadow and said rank these in order and let's just see where Ollie Norburn comes out and you know whether this is a surprise or not probably isn't to us because we've never been massive on Norburn have we um, but he was fairly low down the list on most people's most people's rankings really you know well below the likes of, uh, of uh, you know um, Ryan Woods playing centre midfield or a couple of you know some people had him below Paul Murray for example which was interesting below Kevin McIntyre so I don't I didn't feel a great dismay from the fan base that he'd gone Ollie um, was my answer and I think that you're right the answer what you just said is completely right it, it kind of works out for everybody and I think it kind of works out for our fans as well no one's really jumped off a cliff because of it have they yeah I'll just maybe say my two pennies worth just yeah, very quickly so I think I think in, in his defence we played against under Askey and Ricketts <laughs> says everything true um, and also we also he never I think we signed him and people expected maybe a Paul Evans 
Yeah. You know, you, if you have your highest signing midfielder and, you know, you're Shrewsbury Town, you're a League One team, you spend money on a midfielder, you expect you're paying for goals and, you know, some excitement, you know, a, a Harry Chapman, Paul Evans type who's going to score some great goals. That is not Oli Norburn. Oli Norburn is a number six. He's a box-to-box defence midfielder. He's not really renowned for his passing. He's renowned for his amazing, brilliant energy, winning tackles, being tough to beat and a, a real grafter. And I think maybe if that had been explained to us when we signed him, maybe then the expectation wouldn't have been so high. But when you start your your highest record signing, you don't really expect a hard-working battler, do you? You kind of expect a bit more. And I think that was the problem that Ollie always had. I think it's very apt that our record signing is a hard-working defensive midfielder. I think that feels very huge <laughs> town, Ollie, to be honest with you. And, he's, suspect- yeah. and to be fair, though, he did score a lot of goals. He played 92 games for us and scored 16 goals. That's not a bad return. Yeah, 11 of them were penalties, Ollie. So he only scored five goals in, in all I know, but it doesn't games. matter. He still scored. He still <laughs> he did. scored. He did. And he missed one and put it in as a rebound, didn't he? So that was that was another yeah. one. But um, yeah, who knows? It was. Um, it, it's happened. It's done. We move on and uh, we hope we spend that money on uh, Chapman. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. But yeah, that was that was done, obviously. And then we, we went on to Morecambe, didn't we, Ollie? And we'll talk about Cosgrove as we go through the game. But obviously he signed in the in the um, the eve of this game, didn't he? Um, and yeah, and we obviously went on to lose uh, 2-0, Ollie. Goal from Phillips on 34 and a goal from Stockton on 44. And we never really looked like getting back into it, Ollie. So, um, yeah, what, what you picked up some stats on this one as we go into the Morecambe game? Yeah, so I'm um, interested to this kind of like, yeah, last time we visited Morecambe in the league was the 4 1 1 to Mickey Mellon, um, which obviously was, was a great season for us all. Um, and the last time we actually played Morecambe was a game that kind of just kind of disappears under the radar. It was a 2 0 home win. Um, and it was the game before we played West Ham when Joe Hart came back. Um, so yeah, that was a good win as well. But it's fair to say, Morecambe. Obviously, we played them in the conference season twice. Great, um, great day that I was. Going, I was at Lancaster Uni. Remember going to those games. Remember um, the manager celebrating in the back of the net, which was really funny. And then back ramped one of our players <laughs> and got sent off. <laughs> so yeah, it was a really good day. So yeah, I'm um, great to see Morecambe. You know, it's nice to see them do well. Um, so fair play to them. Um, Talking yeah, of pitch invasions, Ollie. Game, we we went on the pitch at Morecambe that day in the conference season, didn't we? And it was uh, everyone was walking towards the Morecambe fans. I thought, oh my god, this might be, get a bit tastier. And then everybody just sort of stopped, and then everybody politely applauded each other from the stands and the pitch. And it was like, well done, you've done well in the playoffs. Well done, Morecambe, you've had a good season. And that was it. It was like the least least aggressive thing ever, wasn't it? And um, yeah, I remember Joe Hart played in that game as well. So I think a lot of people actually. I, I mean, did. just to say, I went to this game, Ollie, and um, um, and it was great. You know, it, I was going to talk about this in a bit later on, but you know, the, we talked about that first game under the lights in the meadow, but the experience of being an away game following town in a semi-full stadium there wasn't a huge amount of people at Morecambe and we took a fair amount um, but the crowd were bang up for it town fans were amazing the whole game they were really chanting really good atmosphere a few inflatables knocking around you know bit of a you know atmosphere that you could kind of think I'll remember that actually as that first game back um, the result wasn't great but yeah it was just it was just really good to be travelling on the road again and I had one of my weekends over with the family we've been in the Lake District today I've only just got back about an hour ago and it's just been one of those things it's like getting back in the football routine in terms of away games and Everybody had a real massive smile on the face when we went in. I, I managed to catch up with so many town fans who've been on the podcast, people who haven't, you know, talked to Sib at the weekend, talked to Busy, which I'll come to later on, talked to a bunch of the mates who've been there, talked to Ipswich Shrew, who's been on the podcast, I think, a couple of times, and, you know, a few different people. And, and it was just great, really, I thought, in terms of catching up with people on the terrace away, those ones that, you know, pretty much go week in, week out that I'd kind of not seen in the home games. So uh, I had a really good weekend, all in all, apart from the 90 minutes of football, Ollie, but that's pretty standard for Shrewsbury Town, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, for me it was a bit of a different Saturday. <laughs> Went to Mamas and Papas, 
and went to Nando's oh, yeah. and then came back and watched the game. So yeah, obviously interesting. Obviously, I watched it. I watched it live. Um, and yeah, obviously you have a, di- a different in different view of the game, um, which was interesting. Um, on a few moments in the game, we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, so obviously going into the game, we signed Cosgrove, didn't we? We don't think really anyone expected him to start. You know, really yeah. start with after one. You know, probably just about learnt the players' names. Well. So, I yeah, don't know. I, um, I, I would have thought he'd start ahead of Pike, honestly, but there we go. Uh, but, you know, maybe it wasn't a massive surprise. I don't. Yeah. Not, not with Cottrell. Cottrell's a, a process manager. He likes, you know, mm. prep. He likes to prepare for games properly. I don't think he was going to throw him in. And I think also Pike deserved the chance, and that's something the manager mm. echoed. So, um, yeah, starting lineup, Morosi and Gold again. Same back three again, Pennington, Pierre, and Nurse. Bennett was right wing back. Um, he was the captain. Um, Davis and Ogbetta in the middle again. Leahy left wing back. Mm. Vela was a 10, but not was quite obviously a bit like Goss was, a dynamic 10, you know, who would sit back into midfield as well. And then we had Pike and a doe up front. So kind of come into the game. So Ebanks was still isolating, Wally's hand injury, and Bowman had a, uh, a hamstring twinge at the end of training. And we'll, have us, we'll find out more about that this week. Yeah. So is that the kind of starting line that you expected, Grim? I mean, it's so early in the season, he could have done anything really, I suppose. We've not got a huge amount of players to pick from, but, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Bloxham start instead of Pike. Um, I probably wouldn't have been too surprised to see him go and change it back to what it was like um, at the end of the game against Lincoln in terms of playing Daniels at right wing back, moving Bennett into centre midfield and putting Ogbetta back to where he'd be more natural. So I could have seen him changing some of those things around, but he kind of stuck with the formation that we started the Lincoln game on, which, you know, we we started in in an even keel, didn't we, in that first half. So maybe not too surprised but um, you know there, there was only let's be honest we didn't have a full complement on the bench and two of them were the goalkeepers only at the weekend now that is you know not great for the third game of the season is it and, and shows that recruitment which we won't lay because we've gone over it but you know there aren't many options Ollie at the moment what, what we got out there was really what we've got yeah definitely in obviously <laughs> midfield we've got we've got seven strikers and two midfielders yeah twice as many goalkeepers as we have midfielders <laughs> um, and we play with three midfielders as well so oh, we actually God. play with more midfielders than we have that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, but in but in a, but from a positive point of view, we actually started the game quite well. I thought. Um, I watched some of the first half when I was making some pancakes this morning, and yeah, first <laughs> first kind of like half an hour, I'd say we probably just about edged it. To be honest, both teams tried to get the ball down, um, trying to pass play some balls. We were trying to do diagonals. Um, a big tactic for them, I thought, was the diagonal for Nurse um, to to Nikoa, who I thought would look quite good. Um, but yeah, Nurse was good as well, wasn't he, Glenn? He's, he's been quite solid. We haven't really talked about Nurse much. Maybe we should give him some respect. Um, he uh, he started his Shooter Town career quite well, playing at less centre back. How funny is that? I was about to say the same thing. We haven't, you know, we haven't talked about Nurse so far on the podcast. But I'd agree. Yeah, he's, he's been a solid signing, hasn't he? And has come in and filled in a position that we maybe were wondering what what was going to work. He doesn't look out of out of out of phase there really in terms of his his ability and his, his play. Pops up a couple of times, going a bit forward, trying to bring the ball out. I think there's again a player there. There's more than we will probably get to see more of him as the season develops because it's only obviously the third game. But so far so good. I think for him, he's one of the ones that has settled in like Bennett pretty well, um, despite the rocky start. I suppose um, those two maybe have been of the signings. Um, maybe with Morosi maybe a little bit as well those three seem to have come in and, and just look quite, quite natural straight away don't they yeah it does and we tell, we're told that Nurse can play um, left wing back that's where he played for Newport County he yeah. can also apparently play in central midfield as well which does maybe raise the question of why didn't he do a complete reshuffle with um, Ogbetta Lee mm-hmm. and um, a Nurse that's an interesting thought um, but yeah, talking of um, talking of Leahy, um, so Leahy took a corner and had Pierre headers wide. I thought that's a good opportunity after about twelve minutes, um, and then there was an opportunity where um, Leahy sneaks in, um, gets behind um, their defence, 
and was unlucky not to get a, not to get a, a chance there. But um, yeah, at this point, I thought yeah, I could definitely hear the Shrewsbury fans chanting England, and it was yeah, good atmosphere on, on the terrace. I'm sure at this point. It's great. The first ten minutes was just literally town fans all chanting. Um, interestingly, a lot of it was for Ado. He's got a new chant, um, which I'm not going to bring up on the podcast, but I think you'll start to hear it over the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, he's got a new chant. There was a lot of chanting really for for various bits and bobs. And even when it was crap in the second half, the chanting didn't stop, but it became that more wistful, ironic chanting about how we've won the Shropshire Senior Cup so many times. Um, but yeah, I thought the fans were really, really good. And uh, yeah, first ten minutes was okay. We we started quite well. They they weren't great. Um, I didn't think there was a huge amount going on in those first ten minutes. One thing I did notice, I think from the start of this game is Davis really started the game well I thought he was quite good at just sitting back as the deeper midfielder and he was the one that maybe stopped Morecambe getting into it a bit more he picked up a few chances picked up a few balls on the edge of the box um, I think from he me he was the one that stood out maybe the most in that opening exchange um, in what was quite a, bit, a sort of gritty battle I suppose yeah I thought that and then, by then I thought we'd actually started to come on top of the game but at this point um, Pike runs forward but fails to pass. That was quite frustrating. And then the Vela does the same thing where he, he does a pass to Bennett, but he doesn't look and there's a, a man in between mm. Bennett and, and um, Vela. And for me, that just kind of summed up, yeah, we were fairly decent um, at this point in the game, but we just didn't have the, the cutting edge again, which is such a boring topic for us to keep talking about. Um, and then, yeah, but Morgan didn't really look a, th- a huge threat at this point. Um, Lee, who was playing left-back for them, fires a shot, and that must have gone out of the ground. It did. Um, <laughs> and then there was also the effort where Vela shot um, from a free kick, but it hits a doe, and then he's offside. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I- it was it was... We were on top... But we weren't exactly amazing, were we? Uh, I was just going to come back with Twitter. I think it was it was about a, there was a little five minute spell just before they scored where Morecambe finally got to grips with the game, didn't they? It was probably I think it was just that yeah. five minutes beforehand, and they they started to just play a little bit better. And we unfortunately we did our usual thing. We just got a little bit too deep, and it maybe gave them the impetus. And the goal kind of came out of just a, a long nothing ball, really. But there was a little kind of change in the way the game went, and and the way we conceded the goal. Obviously, Cottrell's going to be bloody fuming about it, but. Um, you know, I think it's a microcosm um, conceding this penalty that we we, we let in from um, of kind of our problems really. Because to me, Ogbetter doesn't concede that if he's not playing central midfielder. If he's in left back, he's natural in the box. He'll know where he is. He'll know where his man is. To me, the ball comes over the top and he completely loses the flight of it. From we were right behind it, Ollie, just to say in the goal where where it was coming towards us. The ball was literally coming right right towards where I was standing. He just looks over his shoulder once and he maybe just needs to turn and get something on it. You know, clear it away or get a header on it. But he lets it drop over him. You know, man gets goal side of him, and then it's clumsy from that point onwards, and he's just uncomfortable because of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know people are starting to think he's just not going to be quite good there just yet because it kind of puts him in an uncomfortable position. It happened in the general play as well, and um, some people say it was a bit soft. For me, standing whatever ten yards away from it, I would have been disappointed if I hadn't got given that penalty. Um, it was pretty clumsy. He definitely caught him, um, and I thought I personally thought it was a stonewall penalty. I think most people in the stand around me did. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I thought I thought it was harsh. Let's say put it that way. I thought it was, it was definitely clumsy. Um, I thought it was. It's one of those ones where if you won the penalty, you'd be like, "Yeah, that was a penalty. That was good, smart play." You know, like we've seen something from like Wally would do. You know, we kind of won it. I thought Agbeta's leg was there, and he gave the the player an opportunity to run into it. I didn't mm. feel like. He didn't feel like he took him out. It feel like his leg was there, and the player kind of comes into him rather than the way round. Um, and but yeah, it was definitely a penalty. You know, it yeah, was it was clumsy. Definitely. Took him down. Um, but as a question to you, Glenn, so I feel like a better is a bit of a ghost of his former self. Hmm? But obviously, the one thing you can't really tell when you're watching on TV, you can kind of tell, but you can't tell as as well as you can in live. I I don't know. It's it's a question, and I don't know if this is true or not. I generally, don't know. 
But do you think Abeto was trying his hardest to try and win the ball, or what? What, what I don't know. Does that make sense? What do you What do you think of that that moment? I think he panicked. I think he, he knew he, the guy had got goal side of him, and there was a bit of panic within the challenge. Personally, just being that. Close but do you think to he and... tried really hard to get back? Was it full bust, lung busting run oh, to get back? I didn't really yeah. get that sense. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's trying to trying to kind of jockey the guy. Was the uh, to me the mistake is before that you don't let that ball drop over you as, as a defender. You've got to try and come and no. clear away. I know he wasn't playing in defence, and it probably wasn't helped by the centre backs who were miles away and, and opened up a massive huge gap through there. Yeah, which, so for yeah. those who weren't there, I hadn't seen it. It was a yeah. ball over the top. It was basically a midfield runner, which he did track mm. at least. To give him some credit. He did track. I can't argue with that. But in reality, the defence should have been coming across and helping him and they weren't. So, um, you know, some mistakes in there, things he'll learn from. I just I just think that, you know, it's a different position to play and he's trying to chase in, you know, in that situation with Dave Davis kind of jockeying that man and, and maybe being a bit more experienced. I doubt he gives away the penalty personally. But, you know, that's just something for Rob better to learn. I don't want to be too hard on him because he is playing out of position as much as someone tr- might try and tell me he's a midfielder. He simply isn't at the moment. And, um... Yeah, goal scored. You know, they took the penalty right in front of the town fans. We booed as much as we could, Ollie, but it didn't make any difference. Um, and then, yeah, he ran across to us and did the finger shush, which caused a few people to <laughs> go a bit angry. But yeah, one nil down. Um, kind of, you know, it it come in that five minutes beforehand, but it, you know, it wasn't much in that game up to that point, and um, just felt a little bit like oh, just, we got a mountain to climb again, didn't it? And um, from that point onwards, I thought for the rest of the half we weren't very good at all. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it unsettled us personally, conceding a little bit. Um, and one thing that stood out to me during this period, and actually across the whole game, was Morosi's kicking Ollie. For a player that's pretty good, like a sweeper keeper, he's quite good at taking a touch and kind of playing it out. I've seen that a few times in these few games, and it happened again um, in this game, which I thought was quite good. But when he gets the ball and he looks right or left to kind of put it on one of the right or left wing back's heads, the amount of times he kicks it straight out of play is concerning. It happened loads at Morecambe, and yeah. um, obviously uh, an area that you can definitely work on because his shot stopping is you know, first class for League One, but his kicking does lose possession quite a lot. Yeah, maybe it's something that he just needs to kind of just get yeah his his bearings back. I've seen him a lot of football recently, but you're right. It's it's fair to it's fair to comment on it. Hopefully, it's something that you can improve. Having someone like Cosgrove up front hopefully will help his his mm. percentages improve with a bit of a big target man to hit. Um, but yeah, that's definitely an area that we'll, I think we're not too bad at playing the ball at the back um, at times. But yeah, long balls and winning second balls is something we're really poor at the moment. But I think it's fair to say, Glenn, the the penalty just popped our confidence. We were yeah, absolutely exactly. flat afterwards. And I don't think it's fair to say we were a bit bloody abysmal, actually. After From that, that point on, yeah. Um, we are absolutely abysmal. Um, and just, I don't know what it was. Like, the, the manager just looked really dejected after the game. And obviously, he sees mm. the players in the dressing room. And he, you, he gets the... Obviously, you get a sense of what the players are thinking and feeling because you can see their facial expressions, their body language. But obviously, he sees more of it. But I thought we were absolutely bloody abysmal um, in the second half. And... And it's really interesting that I saw I did that big pre-match review with a Monkov fan. Yeah, with that. Um, it's quite like fun chatting to him and putting that together. You know, I was talking about you know all our players and chatting to him and stuff about like <laughs> the game and stuff and and then yeah, it was just embarrassing and he almost felt felt sorry for me in terms of I'm sorry what he thought he expected a lot more than from us you know established league one side. And I think the players let themselves down. Maybe it could be a blessing in disguise long term. It's something that we'll you know we'll work on and talk about. Um, but yeah, we were absolutely terrible. Um, and I don't think anyone really can come out of... Maybe Morosi is probably the only player that can really come out with any kind of credit from the game. Everyone else... Okay, actually Daniels, he came on and did well, but everyone else was really shit. Should be quite appalled. I mean, performance. Yeah, what stood out to me was, 
you know, you've got a player like Arthur Ganua who did nothing for us basically for years. You know, he wasn't a brilliant player for us, was he, at League One level? I mean, he ripped us apart at times. It was a bit embarrassing, to be honest with you. That was the feeling I got from fans when we went 2 0 down. Obviously, the second goal came just before um, half time, didn't it? Um, which, which, was a, which was a penalty. For me, I'll give my view of it on the day. Felt like we were pretty weak in the box, similar to that game, that corner, that, the cross that went in against um, Lincoln that I talked about. Pennington, particularly, thought he looked quite weak in that moment in time. You've got to stand up. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned away. Pennington because yeah. you're talking about this, obviously, in prep for the pod, and I never really noticed that. From um, from from Pennington, I thought he had an all right game, like you know, in, in terms of comparative to everyone else. Yeah, and to be fair, I was standing next to Sean Evans, and he agrees with what you said. He thought I was being a bit harsh on him, and I think maybe when I reflect on it, it's because I'm comparing him to Pierre and Ebanks Landello, who are absolute monsters of men, aren't they? That you know, you normally if you run into well, them, you bounce off. But yes, well, he's a shadow of his former self as well. <laughs> he's still a monster moment. of a man, but just not in the way yeah, you would want at the moment. Let's talk about Pierre now. <laughs> I thought he was quite poor, to be honest. And for someone who is normally such a strong, physical, fast presence in central defence, um, he doesn't look quite ready, does he? Oh, he's way off it. He's way off it. I mean, their fans were chanting "New Fat Bastard" at him, which tells you a little bit about what they thought about him as a player. Because I haven't heard anyone chant that at one of our players for years, to be honest with you. Um, probably since we had Jemson. Um, but um, yeah, it was not a good performance from him again, and he does look a yard or two off the pace. Um, doesn't look as strong and, and as, as, as big as he was before in terms of being that composing figure. Um, and I think it will come back. I just don't think he had the pre-season at the level that um, Steve Cottrell would want. But he's playing because we've got no one else, Ollie. I, I'm almost certain if we had another yeah. centre-back in, he wouldn't be playing. No, he'd maybe be coming off the bench or something and working on Correct. his fitness to get back yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, so so yeah, so basically um, we weren't lucky to score this. This was lucky for Morecambe, to be fair. The second goal, um, corner comes in, hits one of their players, sits up perfectly for a cent for the striker. And he just puts it into the back of the net. Um, and yeah, 2-0. Um, second half, like, yeah. We had some chances, didn't we? But we were off the pace. Pierre was having a mare throw to the game. So what was the thoughts on the terrace at half-time, Glenn? I think we were all asking for substitutions. Um, everyone was talking about how we were already bottom of the league after two games, which was a concern because we did drop to bottom. Um, obviously not having scored a goal yet in the league and, and we're losing the second game and having lost the first one. So um, there's a bit of that. It was quite a nice atmosphere on the terrace. Everyone was having a good chat, to be fair. And um, um, the, the cider and beer was flowing behind the ter- terrace as well, which was nice. But um, yeah, I think people were, were starting to get a bit concerned. But it was only half-time, wasn't it? I think that there was one goal in it. We thought we probably still had a bit to it. I, I genuinely think people were wanting pike off at half-time from people around me. Um, and in, I mention this now really because as uh, half, half second half started um, I was standing by Sib from the club shop and Sean Evans who'd come up together I said I was standing by Ipswich through a few other people behind us um, and you know as half time as half time finished Busy kind of came and stood next to Sib and started talking to him and he kind of started sort of kind of talking over to us in our area we were and he was just saying you know what? What I think we were saying at the end of the game, which was we're not ready for the season to start, which is exactly what we'll keep saying. But that you know, when it's coming from someone that's barely missed a Shrewsbury Town game, I think that I, I have to agree with Busy. I think that was kind of the prevailing thought, and that's generally what was going along the terrace at half time as well, Ollie, and certainly was going along it at the end of the end of the game when I was walking away talking to a few people. And um, I think there was just that you know that bubbling under of yeah, we might get back in this, but you know there are some concerns here. Yeah, no, let's come back to that, Glenn. I think mm. we'll come back to that, that, that kind of discussion um, when we do the post-match. But yeah, um, interesting thoughts. Um, and then, yeah, something you would never would have expected last season, um, if we were talking about this now, if we'd have you know, teleported ourselves back into, into the, gone back you know, gone back in time and said, oh, better's going to come up at half-time, you think we were yeah. mad or you'd wonder what's going on. But yeah, he was taken off at half-time for a really poor performance. And yeah, Cosgrove came on. Um, yeah, so I guess maybe just, what was your view on Cosgrove in, in the flesh? 
Uh, won a few headers, worked quite hard. Um, absolutely no indication as to whether he was shoot. There's one time when he ran through and he he was pretty much on goal, and you were just saying, yeah, "All right, have, have a crack." And he didn't. He didn't shoot, did he? He kind of got pushed to the side and didn't didn't quite. Well, there was a time the, when he, he ran in and did have a shot. And yes. he went over. Yeah, there um, was that was later on in the game, wasn't it? And it went one of the best finish. But the, the other one, I was just thinking, oh, if he he could take take it. I'm not going to judge him yet. It was a half of, of football where we were absolutely abject, Ollie, and I don't blame him at all for that, to be honest with you. Um, because to me, the, the problem was very simple, Ollie. We suddenly started playing Vela in the number ten. Then we suddenly started playing Pike in the number ten. Then we played. Bennett in the number 10 then we played a doe in the number 10 at one point and ended up with Bloxham there and to me that just told you all we need to know we were absolutely battered second half I haven't really got anything to say about the moments in the game to be honest with you Ollie it was pretty abject a lot of people using the word embarrassing which I think was probably very fair Um, you know the fact we're just trying any old bastard in midfield in the number 10 role you know just gives you an indication of how far we off are of a finished team and um, someone jokingly described on the way out that he was surprised that we didn't get Cameron Gregor on for a go in um, number 10 because Everybody else is getting a go there. At one point, it felt like they might sub you know any of us off the pitch to have a go in number ten because clearly it wasn't working with anyone. Um, so yeah, you know I haven't really got much to say. Morecambe deserved their win. They batted a second half Ollie. Um, and I thought there were there were a fair amount of grumbles on final whistle. I mean we got boot, they booed them off at half time a lot of people and um, I spent a lot of time shouting at them to try harder and you know get stuck in or you know basics. There was a few times where a, a doe passed it straight out of play, easy five yard passes down on the pitch to try and put a, a wing back in just. Straight out of play, you know, Pike get given fouls away time after time. None of the number 10s worked. It was a very, very frustrating watch. I don't really want to have to labour the point because I'm sure people don't want to hear me rant about it forever. But it was just it was just shit, Ollie, really. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, it was it was poor. Probably the only really positive in the second half, I think, was probably... Bloxham did, you know, he didn't do anything wrong when he came on. I thought he did Daniels yeah. did pretty well. He, he won well. five tackles, which is more than anyone else, which I think is an interesting discussion about his, whether he should start. I thought he did quite well. He used to, he used to look bright and positive and was trying... Um, you know his passing and stuff wasn't amazing, but um, yeah, he was. I think, and I think the trouble is we have with this team, as and you kind of alluded to it now, and we'll talk about it a bit more in depth in in a moment. But it's not a finished team. It's a it's a bit of a broken. You know, if it was a, if it was a I don't know if if it was a cake you'd make and you'd put it in the bin and start again, it just doesn't work, does it? This team just doesn't work at the moment because we don't have. We don't have we we've got like three got three left wing backs in the team kind of being fudged in and we've got two central midfielders when we play three we've got like a million strikers we've got more goalkeepers than we have midfielders you know it's just a bit of a mess at the moment and yeah and unfortunately I don't know maybe Tuesday night was maybe a bit of a I don't know an outlier in terms of performances um, you probably suggested is scoring two goals. Yeah, we, we, but the funny thing is we did actually create some inwards in this second half, so there was some half chances, but yeah, more can fully deserve their win. Um, you know, they're obviously on a high, their fans are absolutely loving it, it's their first win in League One, you know, we've got to give credit to them, and I think it says a lot, Glenn, that a 34-year-old player for Morecambe bossed the midfield in central midfield, that like that's yep. not discredit him, his ability, but it just says a lot about our performance. All I'm going to say, Ollie, is any time I watch a Tuesday Town game live or on a stream where we have zero shots on target for a 94 minutes of football, I'm never going to have anything good to say about it. That is pathetic, in all honesty. <laughs> it shouldn't happen all that often. And it's happened as a fan of Shoe Town Football Club way too many times under Askey, under Ricketts, and now, you know, we've had one under Cottrell. I think we had a couple at the end of last season, didn't we, under Cottrell as well when he came back? Yeah. So it's something we just can't shake off. We've got Bowman now, we've got Pike, you know, Ado, you've got Cosgrove in, and we can't create a single chance. And it's not maybe the strikers, yeah, Ollie. I think you've always it's depended on the It's fault, is the it? fact we've got no one who can play a proper number 10 role and there's no creativity. And when we had Chapman in, it wasn't happening as much. And he has got to 
simply spend as much of that money as possible from Norburn on bringing in a player of absolute quality at number 10. Otherwise, I really think we'll struggle this season. If we can't sort that out in the next few days, we're we going to struggle. And that's that's the crux of this whole season yeah. for me now. I know these other things need to be done. Well, that's clear from this game, the 10 is the problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come on recruitment in a minute. Yep. Let's just Go finish on. this game off. So, yep. um, so yeah, top threes. Um, I went for Morosi Bennett. Um, and then Daniels, and you went for Bennett, Morosi, and Bloxham. Yeah, 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 not really a lot to pick from. Um, in terms no. of Cottrell, he was he was interesting. We, you know, you see two, you know, sometimes you see a bit of a spiky Cottrell, and actually we got a very subdued Cottrell. Um, he said we weren't very good. Um, you know, we were like, you know, we we're okay in the first half. You know, we gave away a stupid penalty, blah blah blah. Um, you know, there wasn't a spark, and there wasn't enough determination. We didn't do enough from the game. You know, he's more frustrated. He's disappointed from frustrated. Um, and then he starts talking about transfers. He says there's nothing we can do about it. You know, um, about that, and we won't make recruitment any more urgent. It certainly won't do that. You know, because when we're going to go into that panic mode, we won't get into that. And we basically, we definitely have to spend our money wisely at Shrewsbury. Um, and then there was something that I'm going to steal um, from the Lewis Cox part of the interview because I think it's really important for the discussion, Glenn. So he says, squads above us will start naming their squads and then there there should be players available and then it becomes a mad scramble, which I think is really interesting. So what? So for those who haven't listened to the pros matches and maybe catching up a bit what's going on with Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury Town obviously have only signed, you know, got rid of loads and loads of players We've signed a small number of players. There has been weeks in between signings through the yeah. preseason, um, and we've you know I've only updated my little image like ten times you know for signing players, um, and that includes signing a Doe and Wally and stuff. So you know there hasn't been a lot of signings coming in. So one of the things that Cottrell has said and his philosophy and plan is to sign quality and not just numbers. So let's just take a random club in League One, Burton Albion. Burton Albion signed loads and loads of players really early, got their squad together and started the season really, really well. What I think Cottrell is doing is Cottrell saying he wants to sign quality, he wants a small squad and he wants to get quality. This comment here clearly shows he's aiming to get players from championship clubs, maybe even higher, who are not going to be in the squad for the season, who have been yep. told the surplus requirements and we can try and get them. And now if we are competing with someone like Burton or whatever, Weezo, you're going to sign for a central field and you're going to play, not you're going to be our 26th player in the squad, which I think is quite quite interesting. So that's his philosophy, that is his target, that is the plan, that's the strategy he's put into play. The negative of that is that there is nearly 10, over 10% of the season in August, which is a big concern because we could be well behind. However, the counter to that is he is not here for just for the season. He is talking about the next two, three years, so he's looking in the long term. So I've said a lot there, Glenn. What's your thoughts? Well, I'll be honest with you. If we got relegated, I don't think I'd want him to be our manager next season. I mean, I, I couldn't stomach getting relegated to League Two because we fucked up the start of this season. I'd be proper pissed off about it. And that would light the manager's door. You know, you can play a game of brinksmanship all you like and say, you know, it'll be fine. We'll get those quality players we need. But, you know, we need six points back on Burton, who are a perennially a team around us. By the end of August, will we be 12 points behind them? Because, you know, Shrewsbury Town don't win that many games in League One and it's going to take a run like when he first came in to kind of even get back on parity with a team like Burton, let alone any of the teams that start to run away with it after that. So I, I completely understand what he's saying, right? He's got a process and you've got to trust the manager to do it. But I, I think back in my mind, it worries me that would that work at a club like Shrewsbury Town? It is a small club. You know, this isn't Birmingham City. This isn't Bristol City. This isn't a team with a bit more resource behind it where you can pick a few players, you know, with a little bit more money than we'll have to spend. So I'm I'm concerned about, you know, I'm concerned about what's in on the perch pitch, but maybe that can come right with everything coming right in the recruitment. But 
I, I do worry about the strategy. And I think, you know, if we're sitting here in September and we've won a few more games, we're mid-table, some of the new signings he signed are obviously clearly quality, then yeah, we'll look back and think, well, what do we panic about? But it could easily go the other way. And and as much as he yeah, says... Yeah, it's a nice edge. Yeah, it, it is a knife edge. It's brinksmanship. That's what I've been saying. That's what I'm saying to the guys at the weekend. But um, I just, I'm, I'm a huge town fan. I'm, I'm kind of sick of this, to be honest with you. This is no different to what it's been under a series of managers. We, we, we always panic at the end of transfer windows, you know. And I, I mentioned we were talking about how we, we panic at the end of transfer windows. Sometimes we get it right, and it actually saves the season. Tyrese Campbell in that January transfer window, massive panic signing, last hours of the window, um, you know, mentioned that it was something that came out of nowhere and he comes on and helps us sort of stay up that year. But I just I just don't want to be having to play catch up and it doesn't seem like we're going to get all of our final deals done until the very last week of the window, the last few days maybe. And we will have played another four games by then, Ollie. It's, and if we've not done well in them, it is a concern and you don't want to, you don't want to panic too much, but it is, it is, a, it is a game of brinksmanship that Brian and, and, and Steve are playing. The club are clearly very happy with it. And what this season, you know, turns into will be as a result of what we do in this next two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be fascinating, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think the fans are well, allowed to be fair, we don't know whether, stressed. We don't well, know if Brian and the chairman is happy with it. <laughs> that's but, true. Yeah, yeah, clearly they trust they trust in Steve Cottrell. He's gonna do the do the right thing. And it's gonna go either to one or two ways, isn't it? It's either gonna be the this is gonna be the the you know the story and and the narrative and, and the reason to beat the manager over the head. It's like you know you've. You know, it's really interesting pre-season and all this kind of stuff. From a fitness point of view, and I think you know, fitness pre-season has gone well. We clearly look like a really, really fit team. But I think you know, obviously, there's different elements to pre-season. And pre-season, from a recruitment point of view, right now is not good because I don't think it's unfair to say, Glenn, this squad right now, clearly, 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 we're going to finish bottom of this table if we have this squad. We will finish 24th if we don't manage to sign anyone else. Now, it's very, very unlikely we're not going to sign anyone else. But, you know, we've played two league games now. And I think the problem is, as you said, Glenn, we're playing two more games this week. We're going to play nearly, we're going to play four of 46 games by next mm. Sunday. And, yeah, you can talk about that. And and, and then but the counter to that is, Glenn, you know, if we do sign other players and panic, or we had, or say Cottrell had a strategy just to sign, you know, any, any one league one players... You have to say that the players we've signed so far have been really good. Chapman was a fantastic signing in January. Ogbetta was a fantastic signing in January. You know, after players like Mainwell, that was just to fill kind of fill a seat on a bus, whatever. But you know, you look at the squad's players this season. Bennett's been good. Leahy's been good. Nurse has been good. Bowman, you know, potentially he's got good potential. And Morosi's been a good signing. Pen- and Pennington's a good signing. Nado looks like it's potentially going to be a good deal as well. You know, so the recruitment has been good, and that is the only part that gives me some confidence going to work. But when I got, woke up this morning and I had to, you know, do the pod prep, and I had to look at some of the comments from the the, 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 the new Morkham friend I've made, and think I have to watch this game back again. I was not in a good place, and yeah, that's why I did that to Narco's image because that is exactly how I felt. Felt very sorry for myself this morning, um, and yeah, I think I think that's a, a fair summary of. of where we are and we need to sign players quick. Steve Cotter said it's probably not going to be any signings this week or not, certain, not I, I, soon. I found that bonkers. I really can't understand it. I, I get it. There's the strategy you just discussed, but to not to be not sorting out some of these issues before playing um, Plymouth and, P- and Portsmouth this week, two teams who are going to be incredibly difficult to beat, if you ask me, um, I, I just I can't get my head around it. And I know he's, he's clearly waiting for premiership players, isn't he, that he can get in on loan. But, um, or championship. Or championship, I suppose, yeah. But... Um, 
it's 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 risky. It's risky to me, and I just don't think we are ever going to be a powerhouse in League One that can fire ourselves back up the league too. But much. maybe, but maybe this is maybe this is the approach. Maybe this maybe, is the approach. Yeah. This, this is different, at least, isn't it? it you yeah. know, we're trying to wait. We're going to try and get Mabson players. The players he signed so far, so we can only trust. But you're right, Glenn. We've played Burton, which was a winnable game. Morecambe away, which is a winnable game. Okay, we've got Pompey next, which is you know they're a big side. But then we've got Plymouth in the league, and then we've got Gillingham in the league. Um, to go, so we've got three more league games. Um, yeah, we would have played, you know, six league games by the time we get to the the January window. Um, sorry, January, <laughs> the summer window closing. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see um, whether this works. Um, and this is gonna define our season, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'd also say for being on the terrace on Saturday that we're a long way from this yet. But if we went on a really bad run now, so like I think this is like seven games that win in the league, if you include the end of last season, well, it might have been five, six, something like that. It's a few. If we get towards looking at 10 games that are win, I, I don't think Shrewsbury Town's fans' patience is um, as large as would, would be believed from the fact that everyone wants Steve to succeed. Everybody wants Steve to succeed. I want him to succeed. You know, I'm desperate for it. But, um, you know, we, we need to start to see it again now. We've had that good run when he first came in and we've been pretty abject since then, haven't we? The end of last season was terrible and this, this season has not started well. So we need to now come back But he back wasn't up. here. So I know, not, yeah. no, I know, no, 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 I know, but he that's wasn't what here. The club did. That kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's what the club but that is, did. But that, to be really... To say something really uncomfortable, like obviously it doesn't give him a free pass to get us relegated. Um, and at this moment in time, we're not saying we are. We think we're going to get relegated, but we're no, all worried no. um, because you can only you can only comment on what you can see. And what we can see is a team that, as I said, has got seven strikers and two central fielders. What else can we say? It's a problem. We we hopefully come back next yeah. week, Ollie, on Sunday and talk about a few new signings. But if we haven't, I'll be I'll be worrying, especially if we haven't won a game. Yeah, but who knows? We could win next week, Ollie. Be... It's one of those one of those things, isn't it? This early season stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's fine. A lot of fans are talking about this, and um, it, this is how we've started. This is what we've got to cover, Ollie. Yep. So um, so looking ahead, um, so yeah, we're playing um, as we said, we're playing Portsmouth on Tuesday night. Um, I doubt it. You're going to that, Glenn. Good God, no! I mean, it's Portsmouth away on Tuesday night, so that means it's back on iFollow, doesn't it? Yeah. So I will watch it on yeah. the stream, like most people. But um, I, I, I wouldn't suspect we'll take a great deal to put Portsmouth on a on a Tuesday night. We never usually do, but um, no. hats off to everybody that goes down. But no, that'll be a stream for me. Um, and then yeah, I'll be back on on Saturday at the home game against Plymouth. Um, yeah. One thing, just to quickly mention, I saw a thing going around today because of obviously the horrendous thing that happened in Plymouth this week, which we don't need to go into too yeah. much detail. But um, I believe for any fans that haven't seen it yet, and obviously part of spreading the message, um, there's going to be a clap. On five minutes for for the people who lost their lives there, um, the five people, five minutes. So, um, yeah, if you weren't aware of that and you listened to the pod this week, then uh, that's what's happening on five minutes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we've obviously got we've got two P's this weekend, and maybe we can get our first point um, and maybe our first <laughs> goal in the league. Um, so yeah, we've got Portsmouth away and, and Plymouth um, at home. What's your predictions for both of those games, Glenn? Um, well, I haven't seen us on Saturday I'm not feeling overly positive especially after he said he's not going to sign anyone this week so I'm pretty sure we'll lose at Portsmouth um, and then uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of a rally at the home game and, and nick uh, nick a point maybe there get a, get a draw against Plymouth so I'm only seeing us take one point this week I hope I'm completely wrong but I'm feeling quite a, a low down well we didn't get a point this week did we we got into the next round <laughs> of the cup <laughs> no exactly so um, yeah so I'm, I'm open I'm open for a better things against Plymouth maybe we can nick a win there as a positive mind so uh, there you go Nail me down. I'll go lose lose at Portsmouth and get a win against Plymouth to get us back on track. Yeah, so I think I think losing away at Portsmouth, but it's that kind of game, you know, playing against a, a larger team where we might do a, a Thief Cultural special and do a, a a you know a masterclass defensive performance. So that'll be interesting to watch. Hopefully, um, and then yeah, Plymouth Plymouth. So Portsmouth have won both their games. 
and Plymouth have won one, lost one. Um, and yeah, they've got three points. We're obviously at a nil point um, with three other teams at the bottom of the division. And oh, I, think, I think we might get a win against Plymouth. I can see us getting a, a sneaky win um, at home, um, which obviously would be huge. But it's worth just pointing out, Glenn, obviously, you know, for a bit of context. So you've got um, Charlton and Ipswich and MK Dons who have spent loads and loads of money on players, particularly Ipswich, and they've only got one yeah. more point than us. So yeah, it's it's only early, but what are your big concern is, you know, where are we going to be, you know, when the window closes and we could be like, you know, miles away from anyone. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting month, let's just say. The next two weeks is going to be fascinating to see what happens. I'm not asked about how many points we are behind, Plem- uh, behind Ipswich. I'm more asked about how many points we fall behind. I'm not talking about that, but Fleet, I'm just putting into context. And, you know, yeah, no, I, I agree. But that's the gap we're going to have to make back up. It's not to Ipswich, is it? I very much doubt we'll be challenging them this season. But once they get going, um, yeah, it is a concern. And and just, you know, just because in the world of Shrewsbury Town, you know, when, when a few bad things come along, it normally comes along in groups. And this is my view again, you know, Mr. I hate all the Umbro kits because they're off the peg. But Shrewsbury did announce their new away kit today, Ollie, which, as um, was discussed on Twitter earlier this week, when I noticed that it had been taken off their website for sale was a beetroot pink are you having beetroot pink or just pink i think um and black uh horizontal striped shirt which uh, i'll be honest with you it looks awful um but i know some people have said they like it it's not a real shoes for town kit is it there's no his, his heritage there they could have picked another ac milan type shirt or a argentina shirt those are options um i think they clearly think because we're going off the peg you might as well pick the most bonkers thing you possibly can because why not, I suppose? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. I can't imagine it'll sell particularly well. I can't imagine we'll able be, be able to sell any of those kits for months anyway, considering we can't get much stock of it. Um, so, yeah, all in all, just a part of the, the sort of shambles that went on this season with kit. And not much we can do about it now, is there, Ollie? No, and yeah, the actual shirt, like it's hard to know what the kit looks like because if you look at the the, the skin of the people who have been chosen for the photos, they look a bit odd because <laughs> they look like, like super pink. So there's obviously filters from part on the pictures and stuff. Yeah. Not to hide anything, it's just the way they do do the images. And the white white badge or whatever looks all right and stuff. But yeah, it'd be obviously in, in, the, in the flesh will be the true test. I think the problem for me is just, you know, yeah, away kits, you can have the license to do what you want. There was the orange one, which just went down quite well, the purple one and all that kind of stuff. And for me, we've just got, we haven't got Shrewsbury Town kits this season, have we? We've just got two random kits um, as far as kits. And, but yeah, nothing else really to say about that. Um, fingers crossed in the flesh, you'll look good. Some, I've seen this quite, I think it's quite maybe cut down the middle. Some people love it, some people hate it. Um, hopefully some people will buy it. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think I don't think the kits in this season is yeah, going to be any, any classics. Certainly not yellow and blue. I'd like the kit to be the thing that gets us the most angry going forward because it means the football's picked up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. I mean, it's it's a rugby shirt at the end of the day. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like a bloody looks like a, a, a sort of rugby shirt that I've seen. I can't remember what team it was that used to have a slight pink colour. Harlequins, something like that. It might have been Harlequins. Yeah, it looks like that. And um, let's be honest, as a man that's you know grown into his age and uh, got a bit fatter as years have gone on, there's absolutely no chance I'm wearing horizontal pink and black stripes because that's not going to do anything for my figure, Ollie. So um, I suspect a lot of us large blokes might be trying to give that one a swerve, but. There we go. It is what it is. We knew it was going to be a bit of a, of a nightmare disaster when we knew they were all going to be off the peg. Um, I suppose they've done the best they can. I, I appreciate the media, media lads trying to trying to do as best they can to kind of promote it, but um, not for me, Ollie. Not for me. And um, yeah, let's leave that one there and wrap this up because we've had a lot to talk about this week, Ollie. To be fair, it's it's been yeah. interesting because obviously it's I missed you last pod. week. Um, and yeah, I missed the pod world's away in Legoland, and I think it's just been good to kind of get our heads banged together on it and see where we're at and. It's almost like a baseline now for me. This it's where do we go from here? Are we going to go up or down? Because uh, I don't, I don't think it'll stay the same. I think we will go in one direction. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. It's up. I'm looking forward to improvement this week. Fingers crossed. Well, the only way is up. 
technical. That's very so. true. <laughs> because we're bottom. But um, yeah, fingers crossed we can improve. Fingers crossed we can sign some players. And fingers crossed we've got some more positive things to talk about in the next few weeks. Big time. I'm sure we will. Good stuff. Okay, well, we will catch you all next week when we cover Portsmouth and Plymouth. And uh, have a good week. <laughs>